0: We've got a blue chip stock, a Chinese company in the spotlight, and a look at financial advice on TikTok. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Chris Hill, and I'm joined by Motley Fool Senior Analyst Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris, how are you? I am doing well. uh, Missed you last week. No, you didn't. I did. You did just fine without me last week. I did. Um, I'm doing fine because I'm a Johnson and Johnson shareholder, and I know not everybody is. But but we'll uh, we'll get to DD Global in a minute. But I, I did want to get your thoughts on. Johnson and Johnson. This is this. This is one of those times where you just want me to talk about how smart you are for holding Johnson and Johnson. No, no, not at all. I, I, I was going to say this is one of those times where, and I say this as a fan of the financial media in general. But um, the headline on Johnson and Johnson is they lowered their guidance. Yeah, and, and technically that is true. Although when you look at the underlying results of this healthcare behemoth. Uh, pharma sales up 6%, medical devices up 6%. Um, this this is um, a business that is just quietly methodically chugging along as it has done for years now. The 60th straight year
1: that they've raised their dividend. They raised their dividend by a little more than 6%, which the pedant in me should would point out trails inflation but nonetheless it's a you know it 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 it's it, it's a rather it's a rather great hike yeah their results were fine they were they they beat they beat on revenues by a bit they they trailed on no they beat on earnings by a bit they trailed on revenues by a bit and so instantly when you hear that sort of thing you should think in your mind ah their lower margin stuff, the things that they sold were the area that they struggled. and This should tell you why the guidance doesn't matter all that much, because the area where Johnson Johnson struggled was in consumer health. It's the area where they sell the most volume, but it's also the area that's impacted the most by global trade and global supply chain problems. It's also the part that they are spinning off. <laughs> it's also the part that they're spinning off. They're like, Here's not our problem anymore. Uh, yes. So the stock is now, as of this morning, was at an all time high, up about 12%. And it's just a cash flow machine. It really, really is. So you know, you're getting a bigger dividend. I'm going to say everything else. Like I'm just talking to you. Here's what you are getting, Chris. You are getting a higher dividend. You are getting a higher margin business, and the higher margin part, as you know, is the part that's being retained, which is why you made the decision to retain that part and send the global consumer health uh,
0: part into a separate division they well didn't done. ask me they didn't they didn't ask most <laughs> shareholders on that <laughs> they um, didn't have to ask they knew <laughs> um i I don't want to get ahead of myself um but I've been saying for months on this show that we're in an environment where no company is getting the benefit of the doubt, and Johnson and johnson well known. Large blue, chi- bluest of the blue chips, as far as I'm concerned, of um, had quarterly results that were good but not amazing. And they had guidance which was technically lower. And the stock is up as a, as a result of that. Um, it's the I Here's margins. the part where, I, the part where I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Like, is, yeah. it, are, are we moving out of this area? And now we're seeing some more nuanced thought on Wall Street. Well, that would be nice. I just think that in the case of Johnston and Johnson,
1: the fact that they trailed on they trailed on revenues but beat on earnings showed that they were incredibly high value earnings and high value revenues. So I think that the numbers themselves, as you say, because no quarter, especially not in an age of COVID in an age of you know all the macroeconomic things going on, no quarter is the same as a previous quarter. You don't get to throw a stone into the same river. And Johnson and Johnson turned into me a dynamite quarter. It just doesn't look like it on the surface. It's kind of like, you know the old line about uh, you know, that Mark that, that Twain said about Wagner's music, that, that it's better than it sounds. <laughs> this, this quarter is better than it sounds.
0: Let's move on to Didi Global, also known as the Uber of China. Uh, Didi Global like Uber into ride-hailing and food delivery. Um, Their fourth quarter results came out on Monday, revenue was down from a year earlier. Uh, We can talk about that, um, but I I want to start with- Yeah, sure, whatever. (laughs) uh, Well, we can can get to the actual results, but I want to start with the fact that uh, Didi Global announced they're having a shareholder meeting in late May to vote on delisting from the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, You and I have talked over the past couple of months about the SEC coming out with their updated list of companies that might get delisted. Is is this how it appears on the surface that a company based in China is voluntarily going to vote on whether or not to leave on their own?
1: Eh, I mean, kind of. I mean, Didi has been. I mean, Didi's behavior since the moment they came public has been, and it's only been a little more than a year, it's been absolutely abominable. The Chinese government essentially. Essentially, but maybe not clearly enough, forbade them from going public in the US. And they did it anyway. Uh, and then, so the Chinese government has removed the DD app from all of the super apps in China. So it's a business that has been defenestrated. So now they're at the point where they're trying to figure out what's going to make the Chinese government happy. And one of the things that they, you know, that that, that they believe was okay if we undo this, uh, if we undo this American listing, that might help. But they have no plans to go public someplace else. So there's going to be a vote, which may or may not pass. After which time, if it passes, Didi's shares will go dark, and there's no real plan to have them trade someplace else. It's wild to me.
0: So, What happens if you're a shareholder of DD Global besides the fact that your stock is worth half of what it was just one month ago?
1: You know how uh, everybody really wants to try and get in on pre-IPO companies? In a very bizarre way, that's what's about to happen. DD will the you don't you don't lose your ownership in in a company by virtue of the of the stock no longer trading you absolutely retain your ownership but you'd be retaining your ownership in a private company with no real path to gain any liquidity from it as an individual investor you know that's not a place that I would want to be but yeah you're holding a pre-IPO company at that point
0: is there a scenario where because um, I can imagine at least a few investors looking at this stock, beaten down the way it is, and thinking, "Well, it's cheap, and if it gets in the good graces of uh, the Chinese government, then uh, maybe it's a steal at this price." Uh, yeah,
1: those people are also the kind of people who love jumping onto the backs of bulls, right? Like that's <laughs> just for the excitement. For the excitement, right? Like, yeah, like. Ah! So I might break a bone or two. I mean, just keep in mind that that Didi had all these warnings from the Chinese government when they held their IPO. They have had a year now where they could have figured out how to buy back the shares to go have a traditional going private transaction, which happens all the time where you actually go in and you buy you the company or the company with investors buys the shares from minority shareholders and you close it out that way. That's not what they're doing here. What they're doing is they're like, "Well, if you vote for it, we're going to shut we're we're going to shut the doors." And it's it's unconscionable behavior to me. I mean I guess it's okay like if you want to hold a, a private company you probably shouldn't be an individual investor you should probably be an institutional one where you have the capacity to to you know to to trade with other large shareholders but as an individual shareholder whew, I think you are I think you're risking quite a lot I think you're risking owning a company that has not behaved uh, very well for a very very long time
0: And A reminder that among other things, setting your expectations accordingly. Like In the same way that you look at a Johnson & Johnson and you think, well, if I'm buying shares of this, I've got the bluest of the blue chip stocks. I'm not getting a lot of growth. I'll get a dividend that's going to increase year after year. And If you want to jump in on DD Global, um, just know you might be buying a private company and not getting that money anytime soon.
1: That's right. The brownest of the brown chips, if you will.
0: Bill Mann, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. TikTok is available in China, the US, as well as 150 other countries. TikTok has over a billion users, and some of them are using the platform to get tips on investing. So, how do you separate the good financial advice from the downright horrible? With more, here's Robert Brokamp and Allison Southwick.
2: Last couple of weeks, we were joined by Ron Lieber. He's the best selling author and a writer for the New York Times. We talked to him about how to talk to your kids about money. And if you weren't inspired to talk to your kids about money and investing, today will hopefully scare you into it. A 2021 study by Wells Fargo found that 45% of teens became more interested in investing after the rise of meme stocks like AMC and GameStop. And when they asked teens where they learned about money, over half said their parents, which is great, but they also pointed to other sources. In fact, almost half said school and over a third said social media. So, that means if you aren't talking to your kids about money, they're going to learn it on the streets, by which I mean that mouthy and unjustifiably confident friend of your kid, you know the one I'm talking about, and places like TikTok, Reddit, Discord. TikToks with the hashtag like Money Talks, Stock Talk, Fin Talk have billions of views, and the good news is that the advice isn't all bad. Much of it is solid, preaching long-term investing and the miracle of compounding returns. But joining us today to talk about how to separate the good from the bad advice online is Kirsten Garish. She's a bureau chief here at the Motley Fool. Hey, Kirsten, thanks for joining us. Hey Allison, thanks for having me. So, we invited you on because you are no stranger to TikTok. In fact, I believe you help manage the Molly Fool's own TikTok account. I do. I do. It's a blast. So, Kirsten, what's the first kind of bad advice you're going to find on social media?
3: Yeah, so a lot of the advice I think falls under a bucket we can call bad math, which is just creators playing very fast and loose with numbers in whatever way benefits their outrageous claim. And so, this often targets retirement accounts making half baked claims about the tax benefits that are offered, or this can be inflated tax rates or unreasonably high returns, unreasonably low returns. Again, it's whatever supports their narrative without any of the necessary context to better understand. So, for example, here's a TikTok with a creator discussing the Google stock split with a kernel of truth, but a bit of an exaggeration.
1: What happens is that the price of that stock goes down because of the split, but then it quickly rises back up. So I can expect Google to double here in the next three to six months.
4: As Kirsten said, there's a kernel of truth to this. There is historically evidence that a stock goes up after a stock split. Um, but he's saying that this is this company Google is going to double over the next three to six months, which. It's very difficult to do for any stock, let alone a stock that is already worth 1.8 trillion dollars. Um, and you know we here at the Motley Fool basically believe you can't really predict what's going to happen to a stock in the short term anyhow. In fact that's what's happened here. This original TikTok was published on February 2nd. It's now towards the end of middle to end of April and Google um, actually has not gone up but it's actually down 15% Ebro
2: you have an example and this is one that I found particularly terrifying.
4: Yes let's give it a listen, shall we say you want to do some trading, but you don't have a lot of money so you come and you give me a dollar and me, the brokerage, I give you five hundred dollars now you're actually able to make some money. say you give me a thousand dollars I give you back five hundred thousand. you see where I'm kind of going here? okay so here's what 's interesting about this one. Uh, what this fellow is suggesting is actually illegal because in the United States, the Federal Reserve um, Mandates how much you can borrow to invest. It's called investing on margin. In the United States, you can only borrow half of the amount you want to invest. So, if you want to invest ten thousand dollars, you have to put down five thousand dollars. That's fifty percent equity. What this guy is suggesting is you only have to put down a dollar to invest five hundred dollars. How is this possible? Well, first of all, he's he's promoting a broker that isn't in the United States. It's in the Caribbean. New York Magazine did an article on this fellow, and it turns out he's he's been involved in a few other things, uh, such as promoting a cryptocurrency named Mando, as it's Star Wars themed because it's named after the Mandalorian, and another fake sort of crypto uh, elongate, I guess, after after Elon Musk. Um, So do a little research into the person to find out what else they have promoted in the past.
2: All right, let's move on and talk about some of the worst offenders. In my opinion, they're also the most entertaining, though, but also, again, also also, potentially the most dangerous for the youngest among us. And those are the people who are hyping or lying about success on social media. Kirsten, what are these people like? Yeah,
3: you said it, Alison. These people are
2: hyping their success, and unfortunately,
3: most often, they're Creating an illusion of success that they don't actually have. So these people will talk very confidently. They'll share how much money they make or their net worth. They'll show their accounts openly on screen. They'll film themselves in front of fancy houses dispensing this advice. Um, unfortunately, it's not that hard to do some of these some of these things. I could film in front of a someone's fancy house that is not my own. I could also pull up an account right now that has $1,000 in it, and with some quick editing in Google Chrome, I could make it look like I have a million dollars. And Unfortunately for me, that wouldn't actually change the amount of money I have, but it could work to fool you into believing that I do have that and that I've been wildly successful. Now, ultimately, All of this is for the purpose of appearing successful so that this person typically can try to sell you their course or their system and tell you how they've been so successful, and you can repeat it yourself for the low, low price of too much money for what they're selling.
2: So, some of my favorites of these are often, um, let's say, guys in their 20s. And so they're showing up in front of their Lambos or their, can we call it Raris? Is that what we call Ferrari when it's just spelled R A R I?
1: $500,000 for my Rolls Royce, $750,000 for my Aventador, another quarter million for a few other cars each. How do I have this at 22 years old? Let me tell you, it's NFTs.
2: Let me give you a, view, a tour of my new $1.4 million house in Beverly Hills. First off, I've got this giant kitchen with super nice appliances. And then I've got my trading station looking out into the hills.
1: We have been on the most legendary road of the stock market banking over 2 million in two days. Check this out. The madness starts here where we the some alert to our community for Facebook puts. And it went nuclear going down $80 from our entry and changing a lot of lives. But wait, it gets better.
2: And the final group of people on the street corners of social media trying to get your kids hooked on bad financial advice is people who are hyping crypto, meme stocks, or penny stocks. Kirsten, tell us about these people. Yeah,
3: these posts and videos are exactly that. They are all hype. There's very little substance in these videos. There's no nuance about the risks. They're typically presented not as what the business might do or improve upon in the future, but how a stock price will move. So It will double in six months, or it will 10X in 2022. Um and so it's these outrageous claims that are centered on stock price alone. In fact, there's very often no talking in these videos at all. It's just this pumped up hype music and a list of stocks that some random person
2: says will soar. And he's usually driving a Lambo. I mean, you got to you got to be giving your penny stock hot penny stock tips from your Lambo, right? Otherwise, why would you believe it? I mean, did it did the stock advice even happen if you're not giving it from the from from your wheel of your Lambo? Do the kids still call it that? Ugh. All right, well, let's hear a couple examples. Three penny stocks that will go crazy this week.
0: No Bag
4: So what's interesting here is with this person, um he was right but probably because he talked about it and this is the classic pump and dump so the three stocks he highlights are small companies with market caps of 100 to 200 million dollars and you can look at the price of these stocks and the volume so when you look at these three stocks the stocks either went up 30 to 100% after he posted this video and the volume on these stocks went up three times to 10 times. And the reason it happened is because he posted the video. So, what he probably did, I, mean, I don't want to accuse him of anything, but it's quite possible, he bought these very thinly traded stocks, posted the video, which pumped up the price, then sold, because you want to get out before the suckers, and then the stock comes down, And that's what happens. In fact, in each of these stocks, all three of them are now at a lower price than when he originally posted this video.
2: All right. So, Kirsten, how do you tell the good advice from the bad on TikTok, social media, everywhere?
3: Yeah. I mean, look, promises of huge returns can be really tempting on these platforms. And Kids on TikTok don't know any better. Adults on TikTok don't know any better. So, a few red flags that you can look out for or teach your kids to look out for is first, and this will sound very simple, but just always ask yourself, who is this person? Influencers will come at you with a lot of confidence, but ask yourself, why should I listen to them? If someone is trying to sell you a course and they have no relevant certifications, their goal is probably to make money off of you, not to educate you.
4: Yeah, that's all good advice. Certainly, uh, you want to click on the links and their bios to see where it takes you. Sometimes it'll take you to a very thorough website. Sometimes it'll take you to their WhatsApp number, so you just have to pay attention to that. Sometimes people will say they have certain certifications and they actually don't. So, for example, I'm a certified financial planner, and you can go to the CFP Board's website and look up and see that I actually am a CFP. But sometimes people say they're some sort of a professional financial advisor an accountant, a lawyer, but they're actually not. You can check up on that, too. Um, but also, look for people, basically, what are they trying to sell? Um, you'll often find that they are using their platform to delegitimize, in their eyes, a perfectly valid strategy in order to sell you something. So, uh, one example is you'll see lots of videos of people who are denigrating the classic old 401k. And they're saying, you shouldn't do a 401k. You should do something else. What's that something else? Often it's something very expensive that generates a large commission, like life insurance.
3: Another thing you can look for is to arm yourself or your kids with some basic knowledge so that you can help identify these wild claims when you come across them so for example know that the stock market returns seven to ten percent per year know that risk is proportional to reward then when you see something that promises to double your money in six months you'll know that that is beyond reason and incredibly risky
4: yeah I think it's important to ask yourself like what could go wrong what's the risks involved with it has this person laid out the risks how likely is it? and can I handle the consequences? We've talked in the show about leverage, for example. Leverage is great because it magnifies gains, but it also magnifies losses. So, If you're going to use any sort of leverage, you have to understand what's at stake and can you, can you live with the downside possibilities.
3: Definitely. and Similar to that, I would suggest that everyone always look for substance in these videos. Here at The Motley Fool, we always say that we invest in the businesses themselves, not the tickers, not the piece of paper that accompanies that. So, a video that goes into some business analysis might actually be worth doing further research into. But a video that simply makes a very positive claim that they want you to follow, something like X stock is about to double or X crypto will go to the moon in 2022, this is most likely a pump and dump.
2: Bro, what's your parting advice?
4: Um, I would just like to say that, you know, we had the Motley Fool. Got our start from you know a couple twenty somethings posting on the AOL discussion boards back in nineteen ninety three, which I guess you could kind of say was the TikTok of its day. Um, and our message was, and still is really, you don't need high priced, you know, fancy dressed Wall Street types to manage your money. You know, the little time education, you do a lot of it yourself without all the conflicts of interest, and maybe have some fun along the way. So I don't want to denigrate anyone who's sharing financial education on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, anywhere. I love it. It kind of gets back to the DNA of the motley fool, and we still believe there's a lot of value and you know technology that brings people together to learn from each other. Um, That said, you got to be careful, right? Because of all the warnings we talked about here. So, go ahead on all these go on all these social media platforms. Learn as much as you can. Just make sure that you do a good bit of trust but verify.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. And something you alluded to earlier, bro. I would just um, circle back on, which is that. These videos are, by design, most of them, 60 seconds or less, which is an incredibly tight window to share financial advice and to share all of the risks and the nuance like we've talked about is needed. So Just know that going into it, use these platforms as a a spark of inspiration for investing, for saving money, all of these things, but yes, go and do further research.
0: That's all for today, but coming up tomorrow, we'll talk about investing in fitness, and I'm not referring to your gym membership. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.